Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies podcast, and we have some much better news this week. Last week, uh, Blackhawks got one out of a possible eight points, and honestly, we're lucky to get the one. And this week, you know, they got six out of eight. So nothing to, you know, turn your nose out there. Pretty good uh, week for the Blackhawks, Michael. Yeah, getting getting to play the worst team in the league is definitely a, a cure for what ails you sometimes. Uh, I think the, the two games in Detroit – uh, maybe gave the Blackhawks a little bit of confidence, let some of the new guys get some of their first career goals or first career points, that sort of thing. And just as a team, it gave them maybe a little bit of a breather defensively, allowed them to kind of tighten up their their zone coverage a little bit without having to worry about quite as many threats. Um, we still saw Dylan Larkin, who's you know still – Detroit's best player. He, he still ended up uh, creating some chances, but uh, overall it was a much, much better defensive effort. And, you know, I think we saw that a little bit at the end of the that first week of play with that last Florida game that they were, it was, it was improving a little bit. You could see like maybe they were about to take another step and then they were able to do that in, in Detroit or against Detroit. I guess that was in Chicago, I should say. Um, and, you know, we saw Patrick Kane take his game up a notch against the Red Wings. And it was just, yeah, a, a vast improvement. Um, the first game, I think, was actually fairly even, maybe slightly favoring the Hawks. But then that second game, the Hawks just crushed them. Yeah, so I, I was thinking this year, too, when we do our recaps, I don't know if we'll go into every goal, but I think it'd be, I think the fans would probably... You fans that listen, thank you, the listeners. Um, I think they probably just like our thoughts on the game, maybe a little bit to go over every goal, especially yeah, the way the Black Hawks are going to be playing a lot of high-scoring goal games this year, a lot of goals. So we'll just start with the first game and against Detroit, and like you said, pretty evenly matched until the Blackhawks pulled away at the very end. Yeah, you know they did jump out to. Um, you know, a, a lead Patrick Kane kind of got him started off on the, on the right foot with a power play goal. Um, and, you know, they, they ended up uh, pulling ahead three, nothing by the end of or, uh, kind of at the beginning of the third period. And they were just kind of able to coast from there a little bit, but yeah, I mean, they, they got the power play involved, which I mean, up until the, uh, the last game here, they had scored at least one power play goal in every game. And that was a big factor in this first game against Detroit. Uh, was there was the, the third goal was a really nice goal by Andrew Shaw, where like the power play, like everybody on the, everybody on the ice touched the puck. And it was just a really nice passing play. A lot of movement um, away from the puck. So that was nice. And then uh, Matthias Janmark, who had a tough start to his Blackhawks career um, with over the first few games, uh, that, that line with uh, Janmark and Walmark and Andrew Shaw were just getting buried um, yes. by Tampa. 
and then again by Florida. But uh, in this game, um, he started playing a little better. He started making some, started skating a little more, playing a little more confidence. And he made a few nice passes, um, but he wasn't really getting rewarded. But then he did get the empty net goal at the end. So that was that was nice to see. And I think that was kind of the start of a nice little run from yes. him um, over these last few games. So, yeah, I don't really have too much to say other, you know, about this first game other than, you know, Kevin Lankinen once again came through and, you know, at least early on here, this was kind of his uh, coming out party as far as, okay, this is our first good goaltending performance of the year and gave him the early lead in taking over the number one job. And Mm -hmm. as of this point, he still has it and doesn't look to be letting up anytime soon. Yeah. And then, you know, Sunday early game, 1130 start and the Blackhawks pretty much dominated this game. Yeah. It was the first, like you really, you know, we were talking about the two teams going for draft position, but you put down the measuring, a very beat up Blackhawk team, still much better than this Red Wings team. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, if ever, if, if both teams were healthy, the Blackhawks are definitely a better team um, with, Taves and Doc and the rest of the the crew out, I thought it would be a little more evenly matched amongst the two teams. Uh, However, Detroit did have several players out due to COVID um, and that certainly helped the Blackhawks a little bit, but I think, I think really what these couple of games kind of showed is Patrick Kane can still do things that, many players cannot. I mean, he's not the player that he used to be. He's not quite as explosive with his skating, but he's still one of the best creators in the league. He can still finish as well as, you know, with the exception of a few guys like Ovechkin and Line A and guys like that. He's still a premier goal scorer and a premier passer. And there's a difference when your best player is, you know, a 95, 100 point guy like Patrick Kane. And when your best player is a 70 point guy like Dylan Larkin. And even when the rest of the teams, the team is struggling around them, Patrick Kane can still come through and set other guys up. Dylan Larkin needs more help from the rest of his team. And that's really the separator between the two uh, teams uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And again, um, Lincoln and played good again. For yes. the second game in a row. And uh, and then, you know, the big the big coming out party was P.U. Suter. That's right. Uh, First what was it? hat trick. Yeah. Yeah, that was, the, you know, came out of nowhere. Kurashev got a goal. Yes. Like the game before. Yep. And, um, but um, Suter, yeah. That was nice to see. I mean, does it help to play with Patrick Kane? Yes. It does. <laughs> it, does. But it was nice to see him get some goals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he's filling in at center with all of the, you know, injuries that the Blackhawks are, have suffered. I don't know that that's going to be his long-term position. I, I still think he's probably better suited for the wing or if he does stay in the middle, it's, you know, he's more of a third line center than a number one center, which is kind of the role he's filling right now with the Hawks. But yeah, I mean, he showed some creativity. He showed a, uh, that he's willing to go to the dirty areas. A couple of those goals were, you know, right in front of the net. 
And yeah, he, you know, uh, he doesn't have a shot like Dominique Kubalik, mm-hmm. um, but he seems to have kind of the, the, the playmaking that we saw um, from Cahoon a couple mm-hmm. of years ago when he first came in, but he seems to be a little more sturdily sturdy. He has a, a, a more sturdy build than Cahoon does. So um, a, a stronger Cahoon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think they're probably about the same height, but Suter's mm-hmm. uh, just more solidly built, stronger on his skates mm-hmm. and is more willing to go uh, to some of the dirty areas. Uh, you know, he's not going to win a ton of board battles, but he's not going to get pushed around yeah, like yeah. Cahoon was. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure he's a top six guy long-term, but you know, he definitely kind of feels like one of those guys who is going to be a solid third line mm-hmm. player that can occasionally bump up uh, kind of like Andrew Shaw has been in his yeah, career. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I've liked what I've seen from him. And then once again, uh, Matthias Janmark, this was probably his best game as a Blackhawk. Mm-hmm. He uh, made several nice plays again to set up other people. Um, but then he got, uh, you know, his second goal in as many games. This time it was not an empty netter. It was a, it was a nice wrist shot. So yeah, that was a, a another good development. Mm-hmm. And once again, uh, you know, the power play came through, uh, one of Suter's goals was, was off of the power play. So, yeah, I mean, everything was kind of clicking in this game pretty well. Uh, definitely their most complete performance, I'd say, of the year so far. Yeah, and then, of yeah. course, it was funny that you mentioned the Red Wings having players out for COVID uh, restriction, you know, because right yes. after this uh, series, Alex Debrinkit, Bo Quist, and now walmart i think yes are all in the uh covid uh protocol and two weeks is that what they were saying they're going to be in yeah so you know it's taking an already depleted roster and taking away a couple of the better skill guys that they have so yeah it's a tough blow for the hawks but you know it's the sort of thing that every team is going to have to deal with Mm -hmm. Uh, you know like i said detroit was dealing with four or five guys out in the series against them. And so, yeah, the Hawks had to go into Nashville down two important guys, two, two of their mainstays on the first power play unit, which is, you know, kind of been humming along and it forced them to kind of reshuffle things where, you know, we've talked about it um, in regards to Dom, uh, Dominic Kubelik not being on on the power play one. And that's because, He's in the spot that Patrick Kane usually plays mm-hmm. and, you know, it just makes more sense to have Debrinkit be the shooter on the, the top power play unit, but with Debrinkit out, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't make any sense, you know, well, they, they don't really have a right-handed shot that can replace uh, yeah. uh, Debrinkit. So that, you know, it makes sense to insert Kubelik, put him over in paint and in, in, in Patrick Kane's usual spot. And then Kane's been flipped over to the left side, which is something that we've kind of talked about, um, you know, that I was hoping that they would do as kind of a change up sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. But now with, now it's with a full-time Ka- deal. Yeah. yeah. Now it's a full-time deal. And in the first game against Nashville, it worked pretty well. Um, Kubelik didn't score, but they did get a power play, a nice power play goal by Dylan Strom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, 
and they they had some pretty good puck movement with the power play in that game. It did struggle a little bit uh, in the second game against Nashville, and that was really kind of the deciding factor, I think, even though Nashville had kind of carried the play for several long stretches, Mm -hmm. the Blackhawks had plenty of opportunities on the power play to kind of, you know, yeah assert themselves and they weren't able to really get much in the way of sustained pressure. Yeah, and if they're so going to win, they're going to they win this it. year. They need to score on power plays because five on five is not going to be as good. Right. Right. I mean, well, I mean, you look at a guy like Dominic Kubelik, both of his goals this year have been on the power play. He's been shut out five on five. They just don't have enough playmakers five on five. They don't have, well, I, I think they probably have enough playmakers. What they don't have enough of is the combination of speed and grit to yeah. kind of give those playmakers room. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely going to be special teams dependent for them. They need mm-hmm. solid penalty kill like they had last year, and they need an improved power play. And, yeah, I mean, they're not going to be humming along at a 40% clip like they have been you know, at the, the first, uh, mm-hmm. you know, eight games of this year, but, uh, you know, they do need to settle in as, uh, you know, higher than 20% conversion rate on the power play if they're going to yeah. you know, win many games this year. And the first game in um, Nashville on Tuesday night, they really, I mean, getting to overtime was an accomplishment because they Nashville were dominated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I gotta be honest. I wasn't, that impressed with Nashville's no. performance. They well, weren't actually that good. The Blackhawks were just that bad. They were disinterested. Mm-hmm. And Colleton, the thing that really, yeah, as you say, the thing that really stands out about Nashville, they cannot finish. Yeah, they have they no got finish nothing. in their game. Yep, I mean that's you know that's the one thing I you know we've brought up several times. The Blackhawks got three guys that are capable of scoring thirty or forty mm-hmm. goals, and that is a luxury few good teams have Mm -hmm. and it's the sort of thing that nashville they really only got one guy that's even close to that and that's forsberg other than that you know they got a bunch of a collection of 15 20 goal scorers and you know you can win with those kind of guys if you're really good defensively and you get good goaltending but you know we saw in that first game rene was not good and it kept the blackhawks Mm -hmm. in it despite the fact that they were just not playing well. And, you know, this was the worst game I've seen Patrick Kane play in a long time. He was just, it didn't even look like he wanted to be out there. Were they saying he didn't attempt a shot? No shots on goal. Yep. No shots on goal. Yep. So yeah, it was, it was really rough. And I was glad that Colleton, you know, I mean, he's not a, fire and brimstone kind of guy but Mm -hmm. so he's not like gonna yell at the players but he definitely let people know that he was not happy with their performance Mm -hmm. and yeah I mean just besides Patrick Kane I mean the the other big culprit in the game as far as I'm concerned was uh um Zadorov was terrible uh just I was gonna say he got um, benched at one point yeah, he was he was benched for a good eight to ten minute stretch. I want to say in the second period after 
Uh, I think it was the fourth time he coughed mm-hmm. up the puck in basically the first 25 minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. And that fourth time led directly to a goal. And yeah, yeah well, we Colleton were talking about, uh, talk about Boquist, you know, if you make mistakes, you might not be fast enough to, right. to make up for him. Zadorov, definitely Same. not fast enough. Right, definitely. right. And, you know, it was the sort of thing where, you know, he would have the puck and he'd either make a bad pass or he would take too long to make a pass mm-hmm. and he would get pickpocketed. And there was one play where he just, you know, he had the puck and he let a smaller player just muscle him off. And that should just never happen to him. And yeah, so that was a really big problem for them. And, you know, it, it extended beyond Zadorov as mm-hmm. well. Uh, I, I am happy to say Duncan Keith has played much better the last yes. couple of games. Uh, we, he has. we mentioned last week he was really bad in the first three or four games of the year. But I honestly think he's played pretty well the last three or four games. And Connor Murphy's played pretty well as well. Um, yeah. Uh, he's actually kind of taken – uh, mm-hmm. on the number one defenseman role. Colleton's leaning on him more than he's leaning on Keith right now. And at least in a couple of games, mm-hmm. he's played well enough to justify that. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, he's not a true number one. He's just the best the Blackhawks have, but he's at least held up pretty well under that strain. So what did you think about um, Subban played on Tuesday? Did a little bit better? A little better than he was the first game, a little bit more in control. Um, He stayed a little more square most of the time. I mean, we've talked about it. He's a very athletic goaltender. Same with Delia. They're both. They almost overplay. Yes. Yeah. And we still saw a little bit of that. Yeah, he was kind of scrambling around. Yeah. Yeah. We still saw a little bit, but he was um, staying tighter to his post. he gave up a couple of short side goals the first game, stuff that you just can't let happen. And he didn't do that this game. So I'm sure they talked to him about that. And yeah, you know, he just, he, he, he played okay. Um, I do think one limiting factor in his game is uh, he doesn't seem to see the puck real well through Mm -hmm. traffic. Um, That was something that Corey Crawford was masterful at. Yes. And um, I, Lankinen seems to do a little better with that, but to me, that's been the big thing. The big difference between watching Corey Crawford and then watching these three guys is yes. um, their ability to track the puck when they have somebody uh, getting in their face. And mm-hmm. so far that's, that's definitely not been a strength of any of theirs, but yes. I think that's been the deciding factor between Lankinen and the others is. I will, I will say too, that I just, Lankinen could be something. I see something yeah. there. He could be something. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I he will I, be, but I, I, I like what I'm seeing. Um, you know, uh, in the in our season preview, we talked. You know, he's the more technically proficient of the three. Um, however, he is the least athletic, mm-hmm. and he's the smallest of the three. I, um, is from what I can tell. I, I, I don't. I don't have their size measurements in front of me, but he at least appears to be the smallest one out on the yeah. ice. And in that first game that he played against Florida, I thought he played small. I don't think mm-hmm. he was very, he was staying quite as square to the shooter, playing as tall and net as he needed to be. He's looked different the last three yeah, games yeah. that he's played and the results have been better. And so that, that that's been good to see. Cause he's not a huge guy. I mean, he's not a small goalie. Um, 
you know, like we seen with Nashville last night with uh, Saros, he's a small goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lankinen, you know, he's kind of average size, maybe, you know, so, but yeah, so a guy like him, he's got to stay technically sound all the time. And he seems to have, have done that. Um, so of yeah, course, just, you know, we got to go with the caveat, of course, that goalies, once they get video on him, yes. and he's never played in the NHL before. That can change, but right, yeah. I mean, we we've seen that with Delia, where he started off really strong when he first came up a couple of years ago, and he kind of got worse the more that he played. Teams can go to go to video on him, like you said, and also, you know, he's only played four games. Mm-hmm. If he's going to be a number one goalie in the NHL, he, you know, especially in a season like this where the games are coming almost every other day, or you know, at most you got two days off in between that workload is going to, you know, get to yes. him. He's going to, he's not going to be a hundred percent every time he takes the ice. So how does a guy like that react to that? And then also, you know, he had not a great debut, but now you can always shake that stuff mm-hmm. off to nerves or whatever. What happens when he has a couple of bad games back yes. to back? How does he respond to that? That's, that's all the type of things that a number one goaltender needs to be able to do. Mm-hmm. I would like to, you know, uh, obviously positive results early on here, but until we kind of hit some of those thresholds and get a smaller, get a larger sample size, it's, it's really difficult to say, but as of now, clear number one among the three. So I was going to say one other player that's really um, jumped out at me that I've been uh, impressed with is um, Hagel, Brandon Hagel. So I just asked you about him a little bit, but he's got some speed, not, a ton, but he works hard too. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, I think his speed is, you know, definitely above average. I, I wouldn't call him a blazer. Um, but the thing that makes him stand out, especially in regards to the rest of the Blackhawks is his tenacity. He is going a hundred miles per hour, 90% of the time. Uh, he doesn't really bet, let up. He's m- probably their most willing forechecker and backchecker. Um, really, the only other guy that I think backchecks as well as him right now would be Camp, and yeah. that's that's made them a pretty good combination along with Carpenter on the fourth line. Um, you know, I think we've seen the limitations with Carpenter. Uh, you know, smart guy knows what he's doing but he just has no finish to his game. No. And it's, it's shown in that the Blackhawks have, you know, his teammates have given him, I don't know, maybe six prime scoring opportunities over these first eight games. And he finally cashed in. And that Uh, one was more like the goalie kicked it into his own net. Almost. It was. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, you know, I was glad to see him finally, uh, you know, get, you know, get rewarded for, you know, cause he has been playing yes, pretty been well playing. for a fourth liner, but you know, he's still a limited, a limited player and a guy that I, I hope they can, you know, improve upon in the, in the coming years. Uh, I, you know, Mackenzie Entwistle is a guy that they have on the taxi squad that I think they envision him taking Carpenter's role over the next year. But as of now, Carpenter's still their best option for that. And yeah, I mean, that's been an effective line for them. You got two smart uh, players in camp and Carpenter who 
are going to do the little things that you need. And then you got a, I, I wouldn't really call him an agitator, I guess, energy players, uh, more Hegel, uh, you know, definition of what Hegel would be just a guy that's going to skate as hard as he can, but also, you know, he's not just skating for skating stake. He's skating with a purpose. He's forechecking, he's backchecking, and it is creating some chances. It's helping them get out of the defensive zone, flip possession. And yeah, I mean, you know, I think ideally he's a fourth, maybe a third line player. If, you know, he's, he's shown an ability to finish in the AHL. I'm not sure he's got a really great shot from what I've seen. So I think he's probably best suited for a fourth line role, but given the way some of the other players have been going and if the Blackhawks lose any more people, um, yeah. I think it's the sort of thing where, you know, we might see Hagel get bumped up the, the, the lineup a little bit here and there. So, but yeah, yeah I mean, he's definitely looking like a player. Yeah, it's almost amazing though. If you just think about the players that the Blackhawks do not have at the moment. Yeah. It's crazy. And they're, and they're staying competitive, which is a good, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a good sign. I mean, Patrick Kane makes up for a lot and you know, they're, they, they do still have quite a few veteran players. So that's, that's mm-hmm. nice to lean on, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be tough once they, you know, when they're playing Tampa Bay, but yes. the rest of the the central division, well, probably Dallas as well. Mm-hmm. Although we haven't, I haven't really seen Dallas play yet this year, but, you know, assuming they're still in decent shape, you know, those are really the yeah, two yeah. teams that I don't think the Blackhawks will compete very well against. Carolina is definitely going to give them some trouble too, but mm-hmm. they're not a great team either. So, yeah, I mean, you know, against the Detroits, against the Nashville, against Columbus, they're going to they're gonna be able chance. to stay in most games, assuming that their goaltending doesn't let them down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I will say I'm becoming concerned with Calvin DeHaan. Okay. He... I think that first couple of games, we might have even mentioned that, oh boy, that DeHaan um, oh, yeah. Mitchell pairing was probably their best one. I, that was like a begrudging yeah. <laughs> um, uh, compliment because uh, the entire team was ta- playing terrible. So and, bad, yeah. uh, they, they, their defensive coverage was terrible. And so they were kind of the, the best of the worst, but I, DeHaan's really struggled um, mm-hmm. the last uh, few games, in my opinion. Um, he did get bumped up the lineup when Zadorov got benched, but again, yeah, yeah. that wasn't because DeHaan was playing well, it was because Zadorov was playing yeah, terrible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, his speed is really a concern for me. Um, so, I wouldn't mind seeing him get subbed out on occasion. Yeah, Maybe yeah. the, 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 the pace of, of the, all of these back-to-backs and, you know, three games in four days, you know, he hasn't played a lot of hockey the last mm-hmm. couple of years with all the shoulder surgeries. Yes. So it might be better to kind of ease him in. So I, I, I that's something I I'm hoping Colleton will, will consider um, in the coming weeks is kind of, you know, maybe subbing him out every once in a while, get Baudin mm-hmm. in there, somebody, somebody like that. And, 
Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Ian Mitchell play a little more. He hasn't played as good the last couple of games as he did Mm -hmm. the first couple. Um, So it's kind of hard to say. And again, I think DeHaan is struggling enough where I think he's probably pulling Mitchell down a little bit right now, but I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Mitchell get paired up with somebody else and maybe give him a little bit more minutes just to to kind of gauge where he's at. I was wondering too, like um, yesterday, would you ever want to see like Bowden get a power play, like second unit power play or think he's too um, young? I, I mean, it wouldn't hurt. Um, Bowden doesn't really have a big shot. He does mm-hmm. move the puck pretty well. Uh, if they're going to give anybody, any of the youngsters power play time, I would prefer it be Mitchell. Yeah, um, he's he's a little more creative. I'm surprised they haven't done that yet. Well, they did do it a little bit. He did move up to power play two since Boquist has been out. Um, okay. What they've been kind of doing is that the power play one's been staying out there for about 90 seconds. Okay, and then that last 30 seconds, they've been playing Dahan and Mitchell as the second power play. Back well, I did end. see that. But the Han turned it over right away when they were right. trying it, to you know, break up ice. I, so. I think they're doing it in order to get Mitchell out on the ice, mm-hmm. you know, for the power play. But since it's always at the end of the two minutes, they gotta keep the second defenseman, or they feel like they have to keep the second defenseman out there. And so they've been putting Dehan out there. And uh, I don't like that at all. Oh, that's, um, say, that's the but, last guy you want on a power play. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it's definitely one of those things where if if they would have been able to keep, if it would have just been Boquist going out and Debrinkit was still in there and Kane was still on the right-hand side, Mitchell would be an, an easy replacement for Boquist because they're both right-handed yeah, yeah. shots. Kane would be able to feed them one-timers. But since they've had to flip Kane over to the left side. They can't do that. You want yeah. a left-handed shot to go with it. So that's why you've seen you're seeing Keith up on the power play one. Mm-hmm. Um but you know I, I wouldn't mind seeing Mitchell get a little bit of time there because it's not like Keith is a threat to shoot anyway. So if you put Mitchell in there, you know, you lose the one timer, but Keith doesn't really do that anyway. Does Mitchell does he got a good shot? I don't think I've ever really seen him uncorked one. Um he's got a pretty sneaky wrister. Um, I've never really seen him take big slap shots. I don't think that's part of his game, but the NHL doesn't really, you know, you don't see a lot of defensemen scoring that way anymore. So I don't know that it's, that's a big deal, but he's a, he's a guy who does a good job of getting the puck through traffic, or at least he was able to do that at the collegiate level. Um, which is, you know, something we've seen the Blackhawks defensemen struggle with. So that's one yep. thing I don't I, – I, at this point, I don't have a concern with um, both Mitchell and Boquist. They they both have good wristers that they seem to be able to get on net. Yeah. I just wish they would shoot more. Yes. In Boquist's case, that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mitchell seems a little more willing to let the puck go. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Boquist has definitely been a little too hesitant, uh, in my opinion. All right. So we'll just uh, preview – little preview there's um a series with columbus which yeah. i believe is in chicago correct and then we'll be back before this halfway through this series 
but the series starts against Carolina. Right. Also so, in Chicago. So I'll ask you just, you kind of gave your thoughts on Carolina already, but. Columbus. Yeah. Uh, Columbus obviously just made the big trade. Uh, they moved their number one center. Uh, du Bois up to Winnipeg. And, you know, they're bringing in Patrick Laine. I'm thinking, I, I guess I hadn't really thought about it, but uh, the restrictions between Canada and the U.S., I'm guessing Laine isn't actually no, eligible not. to play yet. So he will not be there in that series. Um, they yeah, also he still picked- has, he has to. You have to clear customs. Right. So, yeah, that's not done yet. So that's an advantage for the Hawks where the, you know, they're not going to be facing a 40 goal scorer. Um, you know, we, we, we kind of talked about it with Nashville where they didn't really have a finisher. Columbus is kind of the same way. Yeah. Um, but now that they have line a, unfortunately it came at the expense of their top center. So I'm not sure that that's a great trade-off. You kind of need both of those things, but. I feel bad for uh, Lainey anyway, because he wanted desperately to get out of, uh, out of Winnipeg. And okay, now you're going to play for Tortorella. Congrats. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. That's, that's doesn't seem like a marriage made in heaven, but you know, I just kind of feel like, is one and or both of those guys maybe not long for Columbus anyway? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can see Columbus wanting to sign Patrick Laine, but they also wanted to sign Artemi Panarin. They also wanted to sign Sergei Bobrovsky. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to get it done. I'm not sure that Columbus is kind of a prime destination for mm-hmm. top line NHL players. Um you know, but I don't know if maybe Lining wants to go to a bigger yeah. uh, city at some point or Chicago. Yeah. Well, honestly, I, Blackhawks yeah, don't really say, need any more goal scorers. No. They need, uh, they need some uh, two way players. Yeah. Two way players. Exactly. Yeah. So I'd rather, <laughs> um, I'd rather they focus their limited, uh, cap space on maybe getting a better defenseman or mm-hmm. getting, you know, like you said, a better two-way forward. But yeah, I mean, Columbus is kind of like Nashville, solid all-around team. They got some def- good defensemen. They got some uh, some good forwards, but they they just kind of lack that top-end player or two that to kind of give them a little bit of extra finish. Um, Carolina kind of falls in between. I feel like they got some defensemen that can. You know, they still got a lot of defensive depth, even though they've lost a couple of guys here and there over the last couple of years, but they're still strong on the back end. Um, and their forwards, they're, they built some good depth there. And I really like, um, oh, geez, well, now I'm, oh, uh, Sebastian Ajo really developing into a nice player there. Ter- Table Teravainen um, playing well as, uh, as well there. Uh, although I think I just saw that he's just got put on COVID uh, oh. restrictions. I think I saw that this afternoon, actually. I, and I, I believe a couple of other Carolina players are in the same boat. Yeah. So they're probably going to be shorthanded as well when the Blackhawks go. It, it's just going to be all year. Yeah. It's going to be, when do you get these teams with? Right. Right. So, I mean, you know, we lucked out a little bit against Detroit. Uh, Nashville lucked out a little bit against us. 
Mm -hmm. uh, Columbus will also be looking out against us, I believe. Although again, they're going to be without line a, um, and then, yeah, Carolina, it sounds like it's probably going to be uh, kind of even as far as <laughs> the COVID restrictions, you know, they lose Terravina and we lose to bring it, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've always liked the way Carolina's played the last couple of years. They, um, Svechnikov is developing into a, a, a finisher for them. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they're maybe one good, good player away from mm -hmm. being kind of a contender, but I don't know. There's just, the, I, I haven't really put my finger on it. They just, they seem to have one missing piece and yeah. I just, I'm not sure what it is. Yep. Well, so. I guess that's our preview for this. And yeah, yeah, it's good that the Blackhawks, you know, they released in some games, won some games. Nice mm -hmm. to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know how sustainable it is, uh, but you know, I, I think, I, I think the way that they've been playing or at least the, the competitiveness that they've shown, this is how I would have kind of expected them to be if they had Doc and Taves mm -hmm. and Nylander and, you know, these guys. Um, I don't think with the, the group that they currently have that they're going to be able to keep up anything re remotely at this pace. Um, uh, but, you know, it's still nice to see it in stretches. Um but yeah, I, I think yeah. we're probably in a bit, bit, bit of a rude awakening, maybe when we like face Carolina mm -hmm. and I think we have, we're going to be facing, you know, Columbus, especially without line a, uh, I think the Blackhawks got some chances there, but then it's Carolina, then it's Dallas. Yeah. Then it gets that's going to be four tough games. Yep. All right. Well, as always, I am STH 85 on Twitter, Michael. MJ underscore Ernst. Yeah, of course. The, can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app and yeah, give us some some likes and stuff or whatever and until our next episode, go Hawks. <laughs>